Hi! Welcome to the Bomb Squad Podcast. I'm your host and master of ceremony, Tanner Richard Kraft, and with me I have... It's me, Joseph. Joseph Vrenick. Not not to be confused with Joe Bovenglow, who's also a part of this. Fake news. <laughs> so so I'm... So what, what Tanner's trying to say is, I am Joe Bovenglow. You are all Joes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm Joe V. No, today we're going to be discussing... Originally, we were going to do Malcolm and Marie for the podcast, but we decided we don't have an hour plus long to say about it. So instead, we're going to talk about Dune. Uh, and by Dune, <laughs> we mean it's... It's... Uh, yeah, Treasure Planet, a.k.a. Uh, one of the favorite movies of my childhood and a classic Disney film for me. For me, the best Disney film of the 2000s, a movie with a killer soundtrack, some great acting, some amazing visuals. I think this movie blends 2D and 3D animation better than most other movies do. Um, yeah, I love this movie. Now, I know you don't love it like I do, Joe, but you do like it, right? Yeah, um, I'll I'll give some context as to uh, kind of my thoughts on it and just like my history with it. So I didn't grow up with this movie. Um, like it came out like it came out during my childhood. I want to say this was a 2003 movie, right? Treasure Planet. Uh, 2002, but yes. 2002. Okay, so I would have been I, I would have been about seven when this movie came out, or like okay. six and a half, somewhere around there. Um. And I never saw it in the theater when it came out. I mean, it looked interesting, but it, it did. I never went to my mom and was like, oh, can we go see this in the theater? Um, I, I think part of it was because we were moving at the time. That, that was when we moved out to Illinois. Um, but I think I caught it once on like video because I think my cousin at the time had it. And I didn't remember anything about it. In fact, we just kind of didn't sit through it we just like watched maybe a couple minutes of it and did something else so it wasn't until i want to say i was in my teens or something like that um somewhere around there i went back and i actually sat down and i watched it um and i remember really liking it, it it's I, I wouldn't say it's one of those movies that like hits a certain sweet spot for a demographic, but I I want to assume if you were like close to me, closer to like maybe ten, that this would have been like a movie I would have been like all over if I had seen it in the theater at that age. And then I've seen it maybe once more after that first actual sit down, and then I watched it. Want to say the the last time I watched it after maybe like a second or third viewing, I watched it this morning before the podcast. I, I want to say that was the fourth time I've seen it. Okay, so I haven't seen it much, and right now as a twenty five year old man, it's still pretty good. Oh hell yeah! I'm glad you still like it. Yeah, I, I most recently saw this movie last summer, uh, back towards the beginning of of all this bull crap. I think that was June or July because I remember texting you. I was about to watch it. Yeah, I was I th- talking with you. I think. I think. I think I remember this. Yeah, and we we yeah, talked. Yeah, it was like I it. wanted to try and do the quarantine watch thing. I gave up. I gave up on that very quickly. <laughs> um, Clearly, I didn't. Just, 
um, because if you, I, I was going to say clearly I didn't because if you uh, if you follow me on Letterboxd, um, I might actually just send a link for this to be in the description. But if you follow me on if you follow me on Letterboxd, since um, I want to say when everything like shut down and lockdowns were happening, which was like March of last year. I basically just started logging like how many movies I've seen during the pandemic. And I don't intend to stop until the the vaccine is actually made public. And things actually okay. start to kind of calm down. Cause, cause by the time like we're able to get it, that that's when I would just declare the pandemic kind of over at this point. I'm eligible to get the vaccine, and there's a good chance that maybe when this comes out, I'll have gotten it. I, I don't know. I'm waiting for the email every day, any day now. I am tier 1B. Um, yeah. So I am in one of the tiers they are vaccinating right now. Uh, this is the only time in my life being obese has been a good thing. <laughs> um, normally, very bad thing. Um, but here, it's been good thing. So where do we yeah. go from here? Uh, let's just get into the plot of Treasure Planet. And our overall thoughts of it. Movie starts off with what seems to be a really kick-ass action sequence. Yes. Um, that we later find out is just just one of the. I love the aesthetic of the sci-fi world here. This like hologram children's book, and it's like that, right up in his face. I always thought that was really cool. That that's it's like taking a, a concept like a pop-up book and like doing something clever with it for a sci-fi setting. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Um, I think it's it, it is so cool. It's like um, and also something. No, go ahead. I, I was I, I was just thinking about this too. It's also like mixing a pop-up book with an audio tape because remember it's also being narrated. Right. Yeah. It's really cool. It's like those uh, cards, you know? Yeah. You open those cards up and they play like a song. Except, yeah. you know, way more high tech. I just wanted to say the directors of this movie, uh, this is actually an interesting thing to bring up. So it's directed by Rod Clements and John Musker. You know who these guys are? Um, I'm looking them up now. Um, it... They are the Disney Renaissance. Yeah, it's because I'm looking up uh, their filmography. Um, on uh, Ron Clements, I'm seeing like Hercules, Aladdin, The Little Mermaid. The Great Mouse Detective. Those were their four movies before this one. Nice. They are the Disney Renaissance in a lot like, of ways. Most recently, Ron Clements was uh, d the uh, director of Moana. Uh, yeah, they both were. They, they, they okay, both they were. both were. They, they are a team. And clearly they they work really well as a team. Yes, this was the movie they always wanted to make. They yeah. always wanted to make this movie. And you can, um, act, you can kind of feel it. Um, as far as there like, is the level of everywhere, th there is a level of effort in this Disney movie that as someone who's like a non Disney fan, um, and I don't know, um, as, as someone who just thinks D Disney movies are more often than not, just like cheap, generic garbage. Th this feels like it's actually like you can feel that there was an effort and a passion put into this. Yes. A lot of love. Very much so. A lot of love was put into this one specifically. Uh, and it... It shows. It does. It shows. You know, it, I understand it has some weak points, but for me, it works very strongly. It's... So we start off with that sequence, right? Yeah. That really cool sequence. And then, it very quickly transitions into 12 years later. 
And then we get the stuff they put all over the trailers. Yes, the uh, the sky surfing. Sky surfing is what I would call it. Yeah, or yeah. like skyboarding. Skyboarding. I. But he's surfing the wind. If you want to get technical, the, the, this is true. Yes. Um. Basically, cool ass shit. I it, wish I could do that. Isn't because I, I haven't played the video game. I know that they made one for the PlayStation Two. Isn't it just basically? Okay. Isn't it basically all? the uh, surfboard stuff. There's a lot of that, but it's also a 3D platformer. Okay. A collectathon, because, never... you know, those were still popular then. Yeah, that's fair. I, I never played it, but I knew it existed. Yeah, it has, like, a... The PS2 version has, like, a 61 on Metacritic, which isn't great, but it's not terrible. Could be worse. Uh, it could be the PlayStation 1 version that has a 44 on Metacritic. Oh, they made one for the PlayStation 1? I just found this out by looking at the Wikipedia page. Jesus Christ. And that was 2002. Yeah, the PS1, the PlayStation lineup has this suspicious thing where it always seems to have an extra long lifespan. The last PS2 game was released the year the PS4 came out. Yeah, I remember that. And wasn't it like a soccer game or something like that? It was that? a soccer. Well, towards the end, the only thing that was coming out on the PS2 was the Legacy Edition of the PS2. Of the FIFA games and the Pro Evolution Soccer games. Yeah. And they were called the Legacy Editions because they were telling you, we're not making changes year to year. We're just updating the rosters and giving you the same game. Yeah, that sounds about right. But considering it was eight years into the PS2's lifespan, I... Who cares? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. No, Treasure Planet, the sky surfing. And it is so freaking cool. It is really cool. I love it. It's really cool. And then there, he gets chased by the cops and he has to lose the cops. And then you think he does, but then he doesn't. As he goes through this like industrial park. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's really cool looking. It's, Gorgeous animation. It's really cool. And speaking of that sequence, I, I kind of wonder if J.J. Abrams saw this because you want to know what I was thinking of when I was watching this. The uh, the introduction of like preteen Kirk when he's driving the car. And he's being chased by like the yeah. robot cop. Oh my god! Yeah, I see it. I, I, I was kind. I was kind of getting vibes of that. I, I'm. I'm curious if J.J. Abrams had uh had seen this and gotten inspiration from it. Well, as we all know, J.J. Abrams is a hack. J that, that's a joke. <laughs> I only dislike one. Of, I only dislike Rise of Skywalker, I, and I don't even entirely blame him for that. I don't hate J.J. Abrams, but it, it, he's also everything wrong with modern filmmaking. Unfortunately. He's just good at it, so I don't care too much, but there are a lot of people who want to be J.J. Abrams, and that's not good. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, one day, after the sky surfing sequence, his, his, he gets home and the mom's like, Oh, you stupid idiot. This is, this is, you can't do these things. You're a child. You Which, stupid when idiot. When I was a kid, I thought Jim was like 19 or 20. I, 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 when I rewatched the movie, he's like 15! Yeah, he's... That, that, he is a child! I, I was gonna say, um, th th they play him off as a little bit younger, like around that age, um, but the way that he's drawn, you would assume that he's graduated high school or something like that. Like, he's... It, it looks like he's... A few years younger than us. I was gonna say, yeah, it looks like he's already off to college. Yeah, I assumed college age would know. He's like... 14, 15. And Disney, you know, Disney, Pocahontas 
some of the Disney princesses are like, isn't Snow White like 15? I was going to say, Snow White's like 15. I think Ariel's even like younger. So he's drawn really young. Yes. Um, Does he act really young? I don't know. Um, He's immature, but is I, he 15 years old immature? I, I'd say he acts more like 16, 17-year-old immature. Because 15... Because 15 years old, you're, I mean, you're doing dumb, like, shit, but... You're a child! Yeah, pretty much. By, like, 16 and 17, that's kind of when you start to become more adult-like. And the immaturity level of our main character that he must grow out of feels more like that of a 16 or a 17-year-old. Like, it feels like he is beginning to blossom into an adult. Yeah. Um, and that is the arc of the movie. It is his coming-of-age story. Yes. Um, so, he's doing his chores, and then a whole-ass guy crashes right outside. I had his name, and I was trying to remember it. Billy um, Bones. Billy Bones. It's like... Badass name. Su- such a piratey name, and with a honestly kind of really cool-looking alien design. Yes. Like that, that ex- kind of looks a little... A little turtley, a little, um, and like that extending neck that comes out. Yeah, that's like, what's turtley about. Yeah, it, I think. yeah. Um, Jim, who I want to mention at this point because this isn't something I realized until last year. Jim is voiced by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yep, he's voiced by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, I think this is his first big role as like I w- an older man. I, yeah, probably. I I want to say this was. Let's see. So this was definitely after 10 Things I Hate About You. I, I Like, what is he in before this? Angels in the Outfield? Well, that movie sucks. Angels in the Outfield, 10 Things I Hate About You. H2O, I guess. Oh, yeah, H2O, that's right. Halloween. Which, which isn't a bad Halloween sequel. It's just the Halloween franchise just doesn't need sequels. It's a mess. It's a mess. We'll get into that one in the Halloween cast next yes. year. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> What we'll probably we... do a podcast about Halloween Kills? Maybe. Is that the next one? Yeah, yeah, that's the next one that comes out. Kills and then ends, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking, yeah. I'm looking him up now, and it, it, it really looks like the only thing he did, like, major that he did before this was 10 Things I Hate About You. I definitely think this is his first true leading role, though. Yeah. Because um, he pleasures it. Yeah. So I was going to say, Heath Ledger's more the lead of 10 Things I Hate About. Oh, yeah, he, he that is a Heath Ledger movie through and through. Heath Ledger and uh, Julia Stiles, yeah. Yeah, but Joseph Gordon-Levitt is great in this movie. Yeah, he, it's like, he really captures that youthful spirit in this. And it, it's honestly, especially with, like, all of his earlier roles, it's something that he was, like, really good at. I, I wouldn't say it's, like, it's done to perfection here. Personally, I think he's better at it in Brick the uh the ryan johnson debut um but it's still really solid uh how he performs this character in the movie yeah no it's it's very it's good it's a great performance uh joseph gordon levin even as recently as the dark knight rises is a uh really good at having youthful energy yeah um but he also can act old he can is the thing i recently saw him in the trial of the chicago seven which was the first movie I'd seen him in since Snowden. <laughs> um, oh yeah, that's right. He was in Snowden. Uh, he was Snowden. He was. Uh, and he, that was still weird. Oliver Stone, what happened? 
Um, I guess he was in Knives Out somewhere. As like he, it was a voice cameo though. Of course it was. <laughs> because uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, what does he do? Is, is he just doing hit record? Yeah, probably. His, his little company? I think, I think the only other thing that I remember him doing after, and I think it was also last year as well, the, the thing he did after Snowden was like Project Power. By uh, Yeah, that also came out last year. By the uh, the guys that did uh, Catfish. Back to Treasure Planet. Yes, back to Treasure Planet. Um, and the and the and this turtle ass looking dude's like, "Yo, Jim, I got a map to Treasure Planet," and he's like, "Treasure Planet," but Disney's already done two Treasure Island adaptations. <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah," but one of them was Muppets, so that doesn't count because that one's too awesome. <laughs> and then the other one was in the forties, so this is the real one. Plus we're, also, we're doing sci-fi aesthetics. I was, I was gonna say, plus we're in space, bitch. We're in space, bitch, and we'll get into how cool that looks when we reach that point in the plot. Yeah, but he gets his map, and as he gets the map, he then has to. Uh, they debate with monks, his mother, and their family friend. Should we do this? And the family friend's like, "Let's do this because I want to go. I want to go. I want to go." Um. <laughs> Which I love that. I love that sort of trope in movies, the, like, family friend father figure sort of thing. Yeah. That's like, no, 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 let me give in to this bad impulse. The, uh, um, but in a good way. The... Like, I, I love that stuff, I think. Yeah. Plus, he's, um, like, a solid, like, co- comic relief character. Uh, oh, yes, and he is voiced... Oh, who is he voiced David by? David Hyde oh. Pierce. David Hyde... Yes, that's right, and I love David Hyde Pierce. For a second, I thought... Um, cause they, they both kind of sound similar. Um, and I wasn't entirely familiar with the cast before this. I thought it was Doug Jones briefly, cause they From, both kind uh, of Guillermo del Toro thing. Yes. Now, now, now here's why I, I would think, think this. Cause I also looked this up today. Um, so both of them like kind of have like a sim- similar manner of speaking in, in just general. But I think the reason that I was thinking that is because in Hellboy 1 and Hellboy 1 only, he voiced um, Abe Sapien, the uh, the Doug Jones character. Right. And then in the sequel, he wasn't, av- I-, I don't know if he was available or anything, but it's just credited to J- Doug Jones. And honestly, I don't think you can tell the difference, but that that's a different thing. Yeah, for a different that's podcast. a fair point. Uh, Doug Jones is a great physical actor, so the idea of him being a voice actor is kind of funny to me. <laughs> that, that, that is uh, kind of funny, but I think he could pull it off. Oh, I, I'm um, sure he could. But, yeah, no, David Hyde Pierce, Treasure Planet. Uh, Basically the third lead of the movie? Third lead of the movie and one of, I want to say a couple of comic relief characters. There's him and then there's the other character who is the more divisive character. But he doesn't come in until, like, almost the third act, so. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to him later. Um, Which I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it because that one's the... That's it's the make very... or break one for people I've noticed. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so mom gives in, and then soon after she gives in, uh, they have to get the hell out of there because, oh snap, a bunch of pirates are breaking in and trying to find that dang treasure map. They're yep. They're they're trying to find the map, the map to Skywalker. They know they have it, and they are going I to give it to the, the first piece. order. <laughs> I know you have the map to Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Give it to me. 
what, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is J.J. Uh, Abrams didn't rip off uh, A New Hope when making The Force Awakens. He ripped, he ripped off, off Treasure, Treasure Planet. <laughs> he ripped off Treasure Planet. I like yeah. that. I like that. That's good. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the map is round. Kind of no. like, kind of like a certain character. <laughs> really makes you think. Anyway, so but yeah, Treasure Planet and really great transition shot to the uh, port. Yes, which was also in the trailer. Um, yeah, because it looks very much like a crescent moon, and it just kind of like. The camera does like a little, oh, a little Warner? shift as it just like spins to a Ryan Coogler shot of you. Yeah, the Ryan Coogler shot of Treasure Planet before Ryan. <laughs> Anytime Coog- a camera spins upside down, that's Ryan Coogler. The, shot. The, the Ryan Coogler shot before Ryan Coogler was even a director. Before he was born, as we all know, Ryan Coogler was born in two thousand and three. Yo, he was ten years old when he made Fruitvale Station. It was incredible. I guess he knows Lindsay Ellis, but that's a different that's a different conversation for a different time. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. They aboard the RLS Legacy, and this is when we are introduced to our fourth lead? The female lead, for sure. Like, the third lead, uh, I would say. Third lead, fourth lead. It's kind of like a tie between her and Doppler. Yeah. Um, Captain Amelia, Cap- a.k.a. played by Emma Thompson. Played by Emma Thompson. Arguably the coolest character in the movie. Uh, my the character I think is coolest hasn't been introduced yet, but he'll be introduced very shortly. Oh, I I know who you're going with. Okay, um, yeah, I, that's not a bad choice, of course. Yeah, that's like honestly, like out of the four like main leads, um, if you told me that you that they were your favorite, I could understand why. They're all great like, characters. Yeah, they're they're all solid. If you said Jim was your favorite, I get it. Say uh, Captain Amelia, which is mine. I get it. I mean, I especially get it. Um, Doc Dr. Doppler, Doppler. I get it. Your favorite then, character that I think you should introduce. I totally get it. John Silver. Uh, cyborg who is introduced cook. to us as a chef. A yes. cyborg chef. <laughs> which is so... First off, this character is a beautiful blend of two, traditional 2D animation and CG animation. It is near seamless, I think. Yeah, because I didn't notice. I thought it was all hand-drawn. No, it, it like any cyborg part is CG. That That's incredible. Because, yeah. Yeah, it is incredible. I did not notice when I was watching it. I wasn't, I wasn't even thinking about it. Yeah, and it, he is voiced by Brian Murray. This is one of... Of just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. This is one of just ten films he did. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking him up on Letterbox right now, and I he I think the only like thing that I even recognize is Dreamhouse that he was in. Because yeah, he was, not, he was a stage and television actor, and even then he wasn't in a ton of TV. Yeah, um, but he voiced uh, John Silver everywhere, including for the video game. Oh, nice. Long John Silver. Uh, this is another character from the original novel who's a clear pirate character. But like I said, yeah, we, the sci-fi aesthetic, he's a robot. Yeah. We also didn't even, we didn't even mention that this was based on a, on an original novel. This is based off of Treasure Island. We mentioned it earlier with the, this is the third adaptation Disney's done of Treasure <laughs> Island. 
Um, which is true. This is the third time they've done it. Their first time was in the 40s as their first ever live action movie. Oh, fun nice. fact. And then the second was Muppets Treasure Island, which is it's probably objectively the best adaptation of Treasure Island, even though Treasure Planet has a closer place in my heart. I would say as far as like taking liberties with the story goes, Treasure Planet beats it. But like just if you want a straight retelling but, Muppets Treasure Island, yeah, straight retelling Muppets takes the cake, taking liberties with the source material Treasure Planet wins. Turning it into a sci-fi aesthetic is really cool because this is the part of the movie where the magic hits. Yes. When the ship takes off. When the ship takes off. Um, when we're introduced to the colorful crew of uh, space pirates, essentially. That we don't know are pirates yet, but yes. we'll find out soon enough. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, spoilers. Sorry. <laughs> I'm assuming if you're listening to this, listen, listen, you've had 19 years. I was going to say, this movie's like almost 20 years old. You've had plenty of time. Oh, man, that, ma- that makes me feel old. Um, a colorful cast of pirates, the second in command, uh, or AKA Jew dude from Pokemon. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, it's like, I was thinking of uh, the rock biter from the never ending story. <laughs> when I, when uh, we that were introduced, too. when we're introduced to, uh, let's see, I know he's played by Mr. Arrow. That, that, that's the name of the character played by Roscoe Lee Brown. Roscoe Lee Brown. I believe his final film role. Uh, no, he, he was, I think he was alive well past this movie. Cause, oh, no, it was oh. Patrick McGuon. Pat, this was Patrick McGon's final film role. Did he play the crab guy? No, he played Billy Bones. Oh, yes. The well, crab guy. That up when we brought up Billy Bones, um, that was his last role. The crab guy, um, I'll talk about him briefly. Um, I would say is probably my favorite alien design in this. Like he's as far terrifying as, to look at. Yes, he's terrifying to look at. It's a very like unique looking creature, and it's played with uh, such. I don't want to say intensity, but I don't feel comfortable looking at him. I, I feel a, a little very threatened raspy by him. Voice. It's very raspy and very intimidating. It's like you yeah. take all of these like perfect elements, design, performance, and honestly, like he doesn't have much character, but like enough to where you like understand who he is. Like yes. you take all of this, he, he's actually an effective like side character, a, a second antagonist, if you will. We'll get into yes. who the real antagonist is short, shortly enough. But yeah, a awesome ship. Basically, what if? Instead of spaceships, the things that flew in space were sea ships. Sea ships in space, which, as a visual, sounds like a gigantic moneymaker as far as, like, movies go. Like, if you pitched that to me, I would have thought, that sounds kind of silly. How do you make that work? By making it look gorgeous, that's how. Yes. It is eye candy. The way it looks in this movie, it is visually stunning. And again, just like the entire movie, a beautiful blend of traditional animation and CG animation. Yes. Because no movie does it better and it shows here. Yes. Because the ships, if memory serves me correct, when you when we have the wide shot, wide shot of the ship, it's CG. It is. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's 2D when they're on it. But the wide shots are CG. Yeah. And, and it, it looks amazing. 
and so are the uh, the creatures outside of it, which like the whales, the, the, the big fucking whale things, the which space whales, space whales, space whales is an incredible concept as well. Honestly, Who wins for in a fight. <laughs> Who wins what space fight? whales, space whales or uh, sandworm from Dune? Oh god, um, probably it's probably still sandworm from Dune. Mm, but now, space whales can fly. Now, if you asked me about space worm from Gods of Egypt versus space <laughs> whales from Treasure Planet, space um, whale, space whale any day. Space whale wins, but I still want to see Jeffrey Rush fight a space whale as well with <laughs> a laser gun. <laughs> uh, that would make the movie. If Gods of Egypt was somehow a Treasure Planet crossover, it'd be a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> Gods of Egypt. That we we should do that for a podcast that's because that movie's like a big schlock fest uh it uh that came out on my 18th birthday (laughs) i think i was like a couple weeks away from no i was like a month or two away from getting my acceptance letter to webster when that movie came out i was a month away from getting my acceptance letter to webster (laughs) nice because you and i started around the same time we did yeah yeah and i stuck Um, around longer unfortunately well, you know what? These things take time. They do. Anyway, so we have now entered space. Yep, and this is when we get uh, the scene that has... So, fun fact, fun misconception about this movie. A lot of people think that the Goo Goo Dolls did the soundtrack for this movie. The band the Goo Goo Dolls did not do the soundtrack. Their lead singer, John Resnick, did. I was going to say, from what I remembered, I don't remember seeing Goo Goo Dolls at all credited for this. You see John Resnick, because that is the guy who wrote Jim's theme. Yeah. Which is one of the best... Like, some people complain that it's a weird forced montage, but it is my favorite scene in the movie. Um, It's... I would would say it is my favorite as well. Um, It's... Great use of the song. It's a great Great song. It's a great use of the song. You get, like... I would say crucial character development of of honestly both Jim and uh Mr. Silver or Long John Silver. Which is critical. Very very critical cuz also within that like montage you'd like see them bond they like start to grow like the father son thing. A father son connection. Cuz this um, is a big thing in the movie that Jim Jim's dad left when he was a little kid. Yes. Uh so he doesn't have a father. Disney loves their parentless children. Jim is no exception. Yep. Except I, I want to is... say I want to say he's like the reverse, where most Disney characters are missing a mother. Yeah, no, he just ha- he doesn't have a dad. He got to keep the mom. So yeah. Well, actually, uh, no. Or he, he would be Bambi, and you have neither. I think. I was gonna say he actually he might be the second, because um, I forgot Andy is also fatherless from Toy Story. Uh, also, yeah, which is never addressed. Also, both mothers, the one from Toy Story and Treasure Planet, both voiced by Laurie Metcalf. That's right! Laurie Metcalf is in this... I forgot about that, because it's a small role. Yeah. She's in the beginning and she's in the end. Yeah. Which, I mean, good casting, because she knows how to play... Laurie Metcalf's great. Yeah, she knows how to play a mother really well. Was she the mom in Lady Bird? Yes. That's what I thought. So she knows how to play a killer mom. She, well, she, um, yes, she does because she's also the mom in Scream Two. She's, she's uh, a, she's a milk mother. I like to cast. 
<laughs> my god god damn it that's a great joke that's a that, great joke that, that is a great joke <laughs> i'm real proud of myself for that one i was gonna put that in the group chat no context you you should do it <laughs> and you should be proud no, of that um great montage sequence great use of a great song and you get a lot of characterization like you really see a lot of john long john silver's softer side yes and all dialogueless that that whole thing is yes. just the song it's all visual perfect use of visual storytelling definitely the best scene of the movie and there are a lot of great scenes in this movie there there are some solid scenes um most of them for me are unfortunately more towards the beginning. Yeah, it definitely. But, I, I, I think the first half stronger than the second half. Even, again, yeah, I love this movie. Five stars out of five for me. Um, well, we'll, we'll get into the scenes that don't work a little bit later. Yeah, I, I I'm starting. I have a strong prediction. You're not going to be the biggest fan of the one character, but we'll get um, into that. You might be surprised, but we'll get there. Oh, okay. So yeah, af shortly after the montage sequence. Oh, by the way, morph. The cutest thing. We never talked Morph. about Morph. Morph. Morph is so adorable. Morph is a fun character. He was a little bit grating at points for me, though. Yes. Thankfully, though. He doesn't push it. He, to... he doesn't have his own voice. Yes. <laughs> he also doesn't push it to, like, an extreme, so I can kind of accept it, but it was a little annoying at points. Just The his cute character. sidekick character. You need it. Yes. And I, it's a nice gimmick, making it a transforming alien. W yes, which leads into some uh, certain plot elements that happen later. Yes, which, uh, clever filmmaking, making this little cute side pet actually plot relevant. Yeah. I think that's cool. I like. I think that's clever writing. Yep. Good writing, maybe not clever, but good writing for sure. So shortly after this montage, we get our... The supernova sequence. The supernova sequence, yes. Which is when, uh, if you were to say it, uh, shit hit the fan. Yes. Ba basically, just kind of what happens is they're, they're just going along on their journey when they hit a point where they reach a supernova. And it's like they, they basically have to like ride the flame waves in order to escape it. And then it gets to a point where they're being sucked in by a black hole. Like, how do they get the fuck out of there? Really good piloting. Yes, that, that, that is part of it. And everyone is tied down, or they're supposed to be tied down. Yeah. And they are tied down, and this is our first little, like... Because you don't trust Crab Guy as soon as you meet him. Yeah, he, it's like he already comes off as villain. And then he kills Mr. Arrow. Falls right into the, uh, the black hole. He cuts his rope! Yep. And then he blames Jim! <sighs> Boy, does Dastardly. he. Dastardly. Dastardly dastardly devil just that's some bullshit <laughs> absolute bullshit and they foreshadowed that they're gonna be pirates by the way because first off silhouettes yes for reference it's the same group of pirates that like crashed into jim's house and burned it down yes um but like just the fact that it's like don't talk about the fact we have a map to treasure planet these are some unsavory folks which one one issue with the movie is why <laughs> was it was it such short notice that you couldn't get a better crew yeah if that's the case why couldn't it wait exactly but at the same time i don't want to be mr cinema since like i think it's largely relevant and it's for the sake of the movie to work so yeah but it is a weird thing if you think about it so yeah um 
after that, it moves on. Captain Long John Silver have a another bonding moment. Essentially, it's not your fault. Yeah, it's not your fault. He, he basically tries fault. to. <laughs> he pulls a, a Robin Williams from Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> it's not your fault. It's not. Except it kind of manipulates him. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. John Silver. That's the interesting thing about him as a character is. You kind of love him, but he's also a piece of shit. Yeah, that that whole dynamic, you're all, you, you buy it up until a point, because it kind of shifts a little bit. Very soon, because this... I was going to say, that they all have, like, their little meeting, the crew of the ship and Long John Silver, and it's pretty quickly revealed that he's not all that he seems, because uh, our, our boy John... They're pirates! Yep. Jim happens to overhear this, and... It's a real tense scene with him in the barrel and almost being discovered. Yes. Yeah, um, they're pirates, and they do a mutiny. Yep, they, they perform a mutiny. It's a little uh, heartbreaking to watch a little bit, because you uh, you just buy into that friendship just almost immediately. Yeah, it's like Jim's like, oh, I lost another dad. Yeah. You feel his pain. You do. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt sells it, too. Like, he sells, like, Jim's a very dynamic character yes. in the movie. He is a very dynamic character. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt does an excellent job of of selling it, honestly. He does a great job. Yeah, you absolutely feel that, you feel the pain that he's feeling. It's like, just, at, like, pure betrayal. He's lost another father figure. I mean, even though he doesn't technically leave, it just it's just revealed that Ego the living planet. It's a bastard. <laughs> Oops. It killed me when I had to put that tumor in your mother's head. Jim's like, what the fuck is a tumor? So you... Does cancer exist in the treasure planet universe? That That is a good question. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll post it to our, uh, to our audience. Uh, let, let, let us know in the comments if cancer exists in the treasure planet universe. And if you're aware of this, um, what are you doing with your life? How do you know? Exactly. <laughs> the directors of the movie comment. Okay, if it's the directors of the... We're a big fan of Bomb Squad. If, if the directors of the movie comment on that question, if, if they somehow find us and watch this, um, I'm not going to ask, what are you doing with your life? Because you made it. Of course, you know the answers. So They made Moana. They can do whatever they want. They can. Uh, which hot take? Moana was better than Zootopia. There's my hot take. I agree with this because I didn't. I, I didn't mean, like Zootopia. Handshake. <laughs> and they, they they can't see this. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. Yeah. We, and it's heartbreaking when they mutiny, but it's also a really fun sequence when they try to get. I was off gonna the say boat. it leads to a a pretty fun action sequence because now now Long John Silver has revealed himself to be a pirate and there's like a nice breaks your heart it, it does but only for like a brief minute because you then realize that that man's arm can transform into both a sword and a cannon which yeah, that's terrifying is terrifying but also really fucking cool at the same time where does he keep the cannons good question cannonballs where are those where are those being hidden in his body i where think you Spider know where webs i think you know where he keeps the cannonballs tanner his in his spinal cord. Oh, okay. <laughs> Where's Toby Maguire's? 
I, I said you think I was going to say? So, <laughs> oh, where does Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man keep the webbing? I think he keeps it in his dummy thick ass. <laughs> God damn, Toby got a cake. He got a fucking cake. Look at all that uh, organic webbing. Moving on, um, and they're, that leads they're on to a planet. What? They're on a planet. I was I was gonna say they're on a planet, but we we also skipped over the fun action chase to get off the ship right. slash fight over the map. Morph. Morph in this sequence. That that, that fucker. He basically disguises himself as the map. He disguised himself as BB-8 and fucked over the resistance. <laughs> yeah, but he just he disguises himself as a map. Fools both parties, by the way. Both Does. parties are fooled by this. Yes. So much so that they ignore the real map that's still in there. Yeah, it's just hiding within the rope. And then, yeah, it's a real fun sequence where John basically chases him in the underbelly of the ship. And then Jim gets on a boat and they get out of there, basically crash land on the planet. And then they very quickly meet, uh, again, Good. surprisingly late in the movie to be introducing a new character. They, they meet Ben, played by... Who is used all over the marketing. Yes, played by famous, famous comedic actor Martin Short. Who's and what I was saying before... With, very um, known for voice acting. What I was saying before with how Johnny Silverhand is a perfect blend of traditional animation and CG animation, Martin Short in this movie is a bit different. Yes. His character is entirely CG. Yes. It, and it's a little noticeable. Like not, and not yeah. not in like a bad way. Don't get me wrong, but you can definitely tell that there is like a difference in animation between him and like Jim, which makes me think he did it on purpose. Like the animators, did. I mean, I don't want to doubt the man that played press secretary Jerry Ross in Tim Burton's sci-fi comedy hit Mars Attacks. <laughs> but... that's, that's the first one you go with. All right, uh, my bad, my bad. The guy who was in the Santa Claus 3, the escape clause. <laughs> I was going to say uh, Ublar from Jimmy Neutron. Oh, my bad, my bad. Uh, Madagascar 3, Europe's Most Wanted. Wait, that <laughs> one's good. That one's written by Noah Baumbach. Yeah, what the fuck? That, that's uh, for a different podcast, but what the fuck? It's a good script. It's actually a pretty solid script, but yeah, you're right. It's just why it's in a Madagascar movie. <laughs> but yeah, no, Martin Short. Or do we talk about the animation on Ben first, or do we, we talk, talk about, about him? We talk about that and then the performance. It's okay. very otherworldly. Yes. Which makes me think it's supposed to be a little noticeable. And, yeah, I I would probably agree with that. I don't know. It's it's honestly kind of hard for me to, like, get a grip on, like, how I feel about it as far as the animation goes. Because, I mean, don't get me wrong, it looks good, but it also feels a little 2002. It feels really weird when they, those wide shots of Jim and him sitting right, standing right next to each other. Yeah. Um, it doesn't quite work. Yeah. Again, I love this movie, but it looks a little off. I think yeah. they were going for off, but it's too off. And that's fair. So now we got to talk about Martin Short. Um, I think he's really funny in the movie. Okay. So, for me, and it's like, 
for when I make this comparison, it's going to mean some, well, it's going to mean one thing for a group of people, but for me, it means something completely different. So I'll have to elaborate a little bit. Okay. Um, for me, I would say he's a little reminiscent of Jar Jar Banks for me. But you like Jar Jar. So here's the thing with me and Jar Jar. I don't hate him. Um, in fact, I wouldn't even go as far as to say I dislike Jar Jar, but I wouldn't go as far as to say I like him either. Like he's okay. in this weird middle ground for me because both with the character of Ben and Jar Jar, there are jokes with him that work for me. Like, well, like that work in favor with the movie that they're in. Like the, the, they'll have like their little scenes that that get a chuckle out of me. But then there's the other half where it's a a flat line. I don't know if I well, maybe one of them. I, I, I don't know which one I would say has it, but I know one of them definitely has like a, a groaner moment where you just kind of just groan at just how stupid it is. Ugh. I am very 50 50 on Ben, which yeah, I, I think he's funny. I think he's funny. Which when but there's I understand a, why people hate him. <laughs> yes. And honestly, that whenever we talk about like controversial characters like that, more often than not, I'm usually split down the middle. It's like rare cases where it's like I lean more one side to the other. Right. OK, so that'll be that'll be fun. A, a fun little note for when we talk about future movies. So let's continue with the plot then. Yeah. Um, They realize that they need to get the map. Yes. Um, so they sneak back on the ship. They they sneak back onto the ship after uh, being cornered by uh, Long John Silver and his crew in Ben's little hideout. So they can't just like waltz right out the front door and go up to the ship and sneak on. They have to take the back route. Yes, and it's really tense. Yes. And I, if, if memory serves me correct, this leads to the most tense chase sequence in the movie, right? Yes, between... Uh, Scroop and uh and Jim. Scroop being It'll... crab guy. Yeah, Scroop being crab guy. The... I I just went by his name. Yeah, I don't think we referred to him by his name yet, so that's why I had to oh. clarify. I, I I think I might have mentioned his name when we introduced him. Um, but honestly, it's kind of a fun name for a character like that with that design. Hey, Scroop. You ever done DMT? Me, <laughs> Joe Rogan. You ever done DMT? Look at the size of that fucking gorilla. Joe Rogan bad. Um, oh, no, there goes our audience. Oh, boy. No, uh, it's a really tense, really fun chase sequence that if memory serves me correct, Crab Guy dies, right? He does, yes. Um, he fucking they, bites it. He, he, he bites it in the same way that uh, second mate Rockbiter dies, but right, not with right. the black hole. So it's like an ironic death. So they get the map and they return back to Ben's little hideout only to find out that Long John Silver was onto them and has uh, David Hyde Pierce and uh, Captain Amelia hostage. Tense. Yes. And they, they essentially make a little agreement. Uh, you keep my friends alive and I'll lead you to where the treasure is, essentially. So do we want to talk about how uh, the treasure's revealed? They finally reach the point in the map, and it's a cliff. It's an empty cliff face, and they're all like, What the fuck? Yep, they're, they're freaking out, and then 
they're searching around. They find a little little divot in the ground. A little divot in the ground. And Jim, I think, is the one who looks at the map, looks at the divot. Yeah, J- Jim figures it out pretty quickly. And he's smart. He's a clever guy. He's, he's a clever fella, and he uh, places the little orb into the little divot, which then opens a portal. To anywhere. Opens a portal to anywhere in the galaxy. And it's in the shape of a triangle, so Illuminati confirmed. Illuminati confirmed. Treasure Planet 2016. First off, that alone uh, seems OP. Yeah, a little bit. A portal that basically leads to anywhere. But it's, And you see a bunch of cool shots and sequence of these different places. You do, yeah. But also, I kind of get why it leads to anywhere, because as they state, the... Uh, what what's the name of the pirate that hid the treasure? Uh, Colonel Sanders. <laughs> I'm just gonna roll with it. Um, in no, case... it's Flint. I, I think it's Captain Flint. Ca- okay. <laughs> All right. Could you could you imagine it's me for the rest of this podcast referring to Captain Flint as Colonel Sanders? <laughs> Colonel Sanders is treasure. So Colonel Sanders. Uh, chicken. So insert Colonel Sanders. Photo, insert photo of the chicken leg and the black power fist here oh god, <laughs> god. so colonel sanders uh wanted to hide his uh his his secret formula for his fried chicken um really well <laughs> so thousands of trillions and pounds of gold <laughs> so he captain flint not colonel sanders um made it so that this portal leads to literally anywhere cuz he didn't want anyone finding his treasure which a little OP, but I kind of understand it, so I'll allow and they, it. And they also get rid of it very quickly, as we'll find out soon enough. They do, yes. Yeah, and eventually Ben clicks on the right thing, because he's like, hmm, this one. And it's, it's, <sighs> Treasure Planet. <laughs> uh, it's Treasure Planet, and boy, is there treasure. Fuck ton of treasure. Isn't it like treasure from like all over the universe? Yeah. As they state. It, it has to be worth trillions, if not quadrillions of dollars. Yeah, it's got it's like an insane amount of treasure. More than like, any country's GDP. It, it's like Scrooge McDuck levels of treasure times a billion. Yeah. And as they walk in, we immediately see a tripwire, a laser tripwire that they triggered. Yes. So they've already sealed their fate. Yep, they, 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 they've already started the climax. Yep. And as they're exploring through this treasure, they find Captain Flint's body. They do. They also find the missing part of Ben. Who? On Captain Flint's body. Uh, on his body, yeah. And they which, plug it in, Ben's like, oh, my memory. Oh, my God! Which, yeah, that, that leads... Good, um, good old comic relief Ben to uh, reveal that there was a tripwire and that if anybody were to breach it, the whole treasure would go up because good old Captain Flint wanted no one to have his treasure. Only him, which what a selfish asshole. What a prick. Screw you, man. It's, like, it's, that's it's selfish. It's, it's almost like he was a pirate or something and pirates, mm. you know. But we have pirate here that has moral compass. We do, yes. Uh, for the record, basically all the pirates die. Yeah. Um, except one. Except for one. The, the, mo- the most important. 
The most important one, yes. Who tries to get away on Captain Flint's ship. He does. But... Oh, first off, when... the planet starts imploding. Yes. Like, fire, brimstone, lava, all that jazz. Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. You're welcome. Cats and dogs <laughs> living together! Mass hysteria! Ghostbusters is so good. It is, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking um, about Treasure Planet. So, planet's imploding, it's about to just fucking destroy itself. Um, and, again, uh, good old Captain Silver is trying to get away on Captain Flint's ship with as much of the treasure as possible, but in a bit of a skirmish, our our boy Jimmy, Jim Jam, Jimbo, hanging Jim on for dear dear life, <laughs> Jim Jam. He's about I'm just to call die. Him for the rest. Yeah, he's about to die. He's hanging on for dear life at the edge of a cliff. One of one of the things he's holding off on kind of just closes in on itself, and good old. Uh, Captain Silver, he has to make a choice. Does he the treasure or Jim? Does he take the treasure and leave good old Jim Jam to die, or does he rescue the uh, the son he never had, um, but risk uh, losing I, I, not all of the treasure, but enough to make one man pretty freaking wealthy? Yeah, basically everything he wanted. Um, this is this was his life's work, and in a very Doc Ock esque move from Spider Man Two, if you will, <laughs> it kind of works though. That's a kind of a good comparison, right? It is a good comparison. He he chooses to give up the thing he wanted most, even and his save dream. The hero's life. Yeah, and uh, it can't be stopped, Jim. It's self sustaining now. What are you talking about? It's treasure. <laughs> <laughs> Unless. The river. The river. Of, of lava? River? That, of lava that's right beneath us? That's going to kill us? <laughs> drown it. Drown, drown us or drown the treasure? talking to his arm. Listen to me now. <laughs> Listen to me now. <laughs> God damn it. It's, it's Spider-Man 2. <laughs> God damn it. Did, did Sam Raimi rip this movie off too? And, uh, Every this came movie out, ever ripped off Treasure Planet. Because this movie came out one year... Well, no, it came out the same the year same as, as Spider-Man. Spider-Man. And he yeah. got to work immediately after the premiere on Spider-Man 2. He just... He saw like, Treasure Planet. He was like, I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then a couple of years later, J.J. Abrams would do the same thing and do it for The Force Awakens. Oh, classic. <laughs> By a couple years later, you mean 11. Yes. A, a good <laughs> decade and a year later. Yeah. So, no. And this is... This is the big redemption point for Long John Silver in the movie. When when we're towards the end, when we talk about our overall thoughts, I'll dive into how much I think that works. Yeah. But this leads into what I think is the second coolest scene in the movie. Yes. Where um, they try to escape the planet. And the portal isn't set right. It is. It's like something's caught in it or whatever, or it's not set to the right place. Yeah. And, uh. Well, first they try to get out, like, the traditional way, like, like actually escape the planet, but circumstances happen. Their sails get destroyed by falling debris. 
and the field just becomes far too much for them that if they just keep moving forward, it it's all over. And even if they did get into space, they're probably just going to be drifting. So Jim gets a little idea because this this man's a clever. Well, this boy's a clever boy. Well, he's a man it, now. Well, he yeah. He by this point he is become a man this is his he's a man this is his this moment is the resolution of his arc yes to which he suggests the idea that they go through the portal and it's like but the portal is set to the wrong place yes or it's not on or something and jim's like i can fix that impromptu makes a skyboarding board with yeah. the help from long john silver and his wielding arm yep they they, they make a little uh hoverboard, hover airboard thing, whatever we're going to call it. Skateboard. Skate, skateboard. It's just a skateboard. <laughs> skateboard, fine. I mean, that was, that's clearly what they're going for. Yes, yeah, so... The, the, the they, 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 they make a spaceboard. There we go. We'll call it a spaceboard. Yeah. Um. He ma- They make a spaceboard, and Jim's got to race all the way back to where they came out of to switch out the portal before the planet collapses in on itself and, and they all die. Yeah. And he almost dies trying to do this. And he, then he, he gets a clever idea of sparks on, uh, on metal on metal. Yep. Again, he does. really cool sequence. Uh, Long John Silver stands over him. Like I'm proud of that boy. He does. Um, and it works. It kills. It's, it's a very fun. It's a tense sequence. It's an exciting sequence. Cause Ben, Ben is counting like 15 seconds. Yeah, he's he's the uh, the doomsday clock in all of this, and it works. I think it helps build the tension of the scene really well. Yeah, you're constantly aware of how much time is left. Yep. Insert cinema since being like, um, actually, if you do the the amount of time that the timer starts, it doesn't shut the fuck up. Shut the. It's called dramatic tension, douchebag. And I I just walk into Jeremy's office and just. You're dead. You ruined you ruined film criticism. Hey, hey, hey Jeremy, what do you get when you cross? a douchebag uh, bro guy with a YouTube channel that fucking kills film criticism. I'll tell you, you what you, you get. You get what you fucking deserve. Did they do Joker? Oh, I, God. It's probably filled with them praising it. I, it? I think they did do Joker. I've not seen it because I don't watch CinemaSins, but now I got to do some digging. Good hit I, watch. Yeah, I might have to like go incognito and watch this. Don't uh, ruin your recommendations. I was still subscribed to them until like a few months ago. I was like, oh, as recently as 2017, I, I still enjoyed their videos because I didn't realize. I, I was going to say, I, I think I realized pretty quick and stopped. I remember watching the accountant video, and that's the last one I remember watching and being excited for. Oof. Mostly because he doesn't tear into the movie that much. Yeah. Oddly enough, he's like, yeah, the accountant, great movie. And I'm like, okay, it's a fun action movie. It's the second half of Goodwill Hunting that never got made. <laughs> God damn. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. When they about. were shopping the script around, they had a whole second half of the script that was like a spy thriller. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I imagine what this is. Someone actually made the second half of that Goodwill Hunting script. Yeah. But that's not Treasure Planet, though. So let's go back yep. to Treasure back Planet. To Treasure Planet. They escape. They do. Awesome they... sequence as with literal seconds left, Jim does a cool flip upside down, hits the button. And then they escape through the portal into the port with the explosion behind them. Yep. And again, beautiful blend of 2D, 3D animation. Yeah, they they arrive back at the spaceport, the uh, the Crescent Moon spaceport from the beginning. Um, and then our uh, 
our boy Jimbo says Jim Jam. Jim Jam. He he says his goodbyes to good old uh, redeemed Captain Long John Silver, who's ready to uh, set sail and make his own way. Presumably to continue pirating. Let's be real. Yeah, that's probably. What but maybe a more morally gray pirate. Yes. Um, and he leaves, and not before he leaves, he tosses some treasure up the jam, like fix up your mom's shop. Yeah, he, he he's still got a bit of a heart on him, even if he is a pirate. Even if he's fat and probably has heart disease. <laughs> I wasn't gonna go there, but all right. <laughs> I, I I kid, I kid. Well, he's also like a cyborg too. So, d- do we want to assume that he also has like cybernetic like? Uh, organs as well, maybe. Robot heart? Robot heart. Is this penis cyborg? Tanner, I wasn't gonna go there. It's a Disney movie. penis shoot lasers? <laughs> it's a Disney... <laughs> I guarantee you the rule 34 is out there. <laughs> Let me Google this. Oh, God! <laughs> I don't endorse this, but... <laughs> God damn it, it's funny. <laughs> I can see his face. <laughs> I think we just, I think this whole conversation just scarred Tanner. He's taking a selfie, so we'll probably put this up on the screen, Austin. Um, yeah, so movie ends at a fun, almost, uh, what does it remind me of? Damn, the ending where they're all dancing and celebrating. It reminds me of something. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking about. He's singing, he dancing, he looks out to the crowds, and the clouds become Long John Silver. Roll credits. Movie's over. Great movie. Movie's over. Yeah. We also forget to mention that good old Captain Amelia recommends him for, uh, wasn't it like, uh... Like a school. Like some kind of, like, elite school or something. Or maybe straight into military service? Something like that. Some kind of academy, which it's also later revealed that I think he graduates from by that point in the movie. Yeah, maybe. Because he's in like a full, uh, more like captain's uniform at the end of the movie. He basically becomes his dad, but like not abandoning. Yeah. Um, it's a great ending. Jim has a great arc. Every everyone has great arcs. E- everyone's now, got a, everyone's got an arc. The YouTube channel Cinema Wins tapped in on this a little bit, but there's a bit of a controversy of Long John Silver's character. Okay. Some people think that the movie doesn't condemn his negative actions enough. Uh, I would not say I that. don't agree, but I can definitely see it. I I can see it a little bit, but yeah, I don't agree with it either. Um, I think a lot of it comes from the fact that you could easily make the argument that Long John Silver's like an abusive father. <laughs> yeah, he is. Which I kind of see. I, I can but definitely... He, he... I can he see that. He saves the kid's life. He does. Come on. He, he, he actually... That justifies abuse. He, he he learns his lesson in the end, and that's all that matters. This is movie rules. Darth Vader's the good guy at the end. It's like... Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> if, they, if they had the big rescue scene, they got back to the spaceport, and then they had, like, another action sequence with him, then that argument would be a little bit more justified. Yeah, but if, like, a, it was a, another... At, or or if he like pulls a lot so and escapes without the main characters, then it would be justified. But he no, he saves the main characters. He learns his lesson. He has an arc. So I I cannot get on board with 
everyone's theories about the character and really all four of the main punished. characters have arcs everyone that lives at the end aside from ben has an arc yeah which amelia becomes more of a softy dr doppler becomes cooler a little less cowardly and wimpy uh, not of I course guess. as dynamic as john silver and jim hawkins but yeah the the the, the more dynamic uh character arcs are between john and uh and jim jim and, jim like, I give a lot of credit to the writing, but that's present in the original novel, too. It is, it's yes. Just, it's the translation to the sci-fi aesthetic, I think, is what makes this movie special. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree. And, of course, Disney's beautiful animation. Even their bad movies are usually pretty well animated. Uh, for the most part. I wouldn't go as far as to say Chicken Little's animated well. Well, that early but... CG is an exception, but, like, hell, Wreck-It Ralph 2, I know you hate it. It's not... But it is... It, like, it's not poorly animated. If, if it wasn't, like, the visual representation of puke, um, like, other than <laughs> that, yeah, the animation is actually really good. Yeah, no, Disney knows how to animate their movies well. It's, um, it's just a shame that Wreck-It Ralph 2 looks like puke. I like Wreck-It Ralph 2, but that's not this movie. That That's not this movie. Um, five stars. What's your, what's your rating? So I gave it a three and a half out of, like, five. I, I think for me... It's biggest issues is like the second half of the movie for me. Like it's still pretty good, but it does lag a little bit for me. And honestly, I think it could have benefited from maybe being two hours long, which longer you think I, I would say so. I think that there's enough to tap into to make it two hours, which is honestly weird of me to say because I champion the hour 30 minute movie. Which we we Some desperately need, need to be longer. They they do, and I think we do need to go back to that hour thirty. I feel uh, like two hours time. have become the standard nowadays. Yeah, two hours. Maybe an hour forty five if I want to be too if I don't want to be too aggressive, but definitely not ninety anymore. Yeah, the ninety minute. When's movie the last time you saw a movie under ninety? The ninety minute movie unfortunately does not exist that much anymore. I think we need to go back to it, but the in certain cases, I do think some movies could benefit from being two hours, and I think this is one of them. There's, It's a deep world that they really could have explored more of. I I think this movie is fantastic as is. Like I said, it's a top five Disney movie for me. Some days, if you ask me, I would probably say it's my favorite Disney movie. Um, most days, I would say Lion King. Some days, I would say Wreck-It Ralph. Some days, I would say Beauty and the Beast. Some days, I'd say Moana, but then there are also days I'll say Treasure Planet. That's fair. Um, I, I, it's, it's one of the more unique Disney movies. How many animations have sci-fi aesthetics from them? Not a lot. Not a lot. Honestly, I can't even really name that many, like, or at least of that level of quality as far as, like, science fiction animation like goes. Big Hero 6. I don't know what you think about it, but that's kind of sci-fi-y. I don't like Big Hero 6. <laughs> I don't like Big Hero I... 6, but it is, it is a sci-fi movie, I would say Wreck that. Wreck-It Ralph, Maybe. Uh, that that I think that one's pushing no, it a little bit. That that's more. I, I'd say that's more of an yeah. adventure movie. Was Titan AE a Disney movie? Titan no. AE was not a Disney movie. I think that was uh, I think that was Fox, which I guess now it's a Disney movie. Don Bluth lost. He did. Every every decision they made, I think, is for the best. And like I said, a killer score and soundtrack. Yeah, I would I would say so. Um, the credit song is not on Spotify. And that upsets me so much. <laughs> Jim's I would theme say, is 
Jim's theme is on Spotify. Of course, it's a great song. Um, I would say, as far as like soundtracks go, for me, it's like I wouldn't say top five for me, but it's definitely top ten. It is a fantastic soundtrack. Uh, Jim's theme. This is really the primary reason I wanted to do this podcast. That is such an important song to me. Yeah. When I was at my lowest points in my life, there is some sort of rallying cry effect of the idea of, and it's not even necessarily what the song's about, but there's a real, I'm still here. God, I feel like crying already. Um, Yeah, I can hear it. (laughs) Something about I'm still here as a rallying cry that's very powerful and very moving for me. Yeah. Of despite all the bullshit, I'm still here. You know, like yeah, and that that's kind of what the song's about. It's also about other stuff, but I I think that's a feeling the song taps into really well. And I, I think I think with Jim, it, it really applies. It does. I, I I would agree. I'm still here, despite losing my father. Basically, I'm still here. Yeah. God, because you see that in the in the montage sequence between him and Long John Silver, there's also flashbacks to his father being a piece of shit. Yeah. And like, as the song is hitting an emotional crescendo, there's that scene of him running as fast as he can to try and catch his dad before he leaves. And then he misses him. And then he misses him. Mmm. Great song. Uh, it's a very powerful song. Really good it song. It is the best Goo Goo Doll song, even though it's not a Goo Goo Doll song. <laughs> Yeah, John Resnick really knocked it out of the park with this one. Do you know that people thought that song was dumb when this movie came out? Idiots. Unfortunately, I can see it, but I think they're wrong. They think the scene doesn't work. I think that's dumb. They seem to... I don't know. I I think they missed the point of the the whole scene, honestly. And probably the whole movie, too, while they're at it. It's his only solo single, and it actually reached the top 40. Yeah. Yeah. You know that? It hit number 38 on the charts. That's... This is his only single that he did as a solo artist. And it's, that, act, it's actually a solid piece. I'd like to know why Disney went, we don't want the Goo Goo Dolls, but we do want John Resnick. That That is, that, you know, that's a good question. I, I don't know if that was like a Disney choice, though. It, it Honestly, it could have just been John Resnick wanted to do a solo piece just for the heck of it. Why the hell not? He clearly earned it, because like I said, that song it, knocked it out of the park. Yeah, it did. It's no Phil Collins, but it's pretty close. So, fun fact about Treasure Planet. Did you know that IMAX calls it the first major studio feature to be released in regular and IMAX theaters simultaneously? I did not know that. Because previous movies like Fantasia 2000 and Beauty and the Beast were re-released in IMAX theaters. So this was the first one Disney did where they released it in the IMAX theaters alongside the normal theaters. Fun fact. Pretty cool, right? That is actually a really, really cool fact. Um, Especially for like 2002, because that's when like IMAX movies were kind of a rare thing, unlike now. Yeah. Now every movie gets an IMAX release. Yeah. The Disaster Artist got an IMAX release. Like, come on. The Disaster Artist got an IMAX release release because it was like at that point where like every theater started to like implement IMAX theaters because I I actually remember like vividly the day that we got an IMAX theater at the Star Cinema in Council Bluffs and it was a 
big fucking deal because they were building the IMAX theater like it was its own separate little thing. They had blocked off at like the end yeah. of one of the halls and the, the hype for it was real. Um, we got it around 2008. Unfortunately, the first movie that I did that I saw in that IMAX was not The Dark Knight. I wish it was. I it saw was. Mo- I, I saw Monsters vs. Aliens as my first movie in the IMAX that we got in the animation. Box. Yeah, the, uh, the, anim- the okay. Well, it, like, I for a second there, I thought it was Cowboys versus Aliens, and I was about to give you my condolences. <laughs> That's an okay movie that you watch. It's okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's cute. It's real cute. <laughs> we, we made up for it later because the second movie I saw in IMAX was Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. So speaking of Harry Potter, Treasure Planet was a major flop. It was. The weekend it came out, it was fourth in the box office. Yes. Behind number three, Disney's own The Santa Claus 2. Yeah, it got beat up by a Disney movie. That was what's in third. In second place was Die Another Day. <laughs> The, the the tail end of the Brosnan era. And then the first one was Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. I I, I think that's Oof. why I think that's why I did not see it in the theater, because we saw Chamber of Secrets in theater theaters a couple times. Ah, the worst Harry Potter movie. Uh maybe. In I, my opinion. I wanna I wanna revisit those. That might be a either that or six. That might be a thing for Be Kind Rewind reviews, actually, whenever maybe. I get that off the ground, because Sorcerer Stone's yeah, overall, ten years old. It's it's a good movie. Uh I call it great. I think you would not go that far, but you'll call it good. I would call it pretty good, yeah. It's a good movie, great movie. It's definitely uh, one of the really, better I recommend it. It's definitely one of the better movies of like that particular era of Disney. Yeah, the like, post-Renaissance era was rough. I was going to say, like, between the years of 2000 and 2007, maybe? The, that, that whole decade, honestly. Uh, honestly, tangled. It, it's very, like, hit or miss, that whole decade. Um, because It's also some of the most creative Disney's been, though. Yes, because you get, I would argue, the best movie of Disney's decade, that particular decade, WALL-E. That, that, that's my favorite movie of that era. That's a Pixar Disney. movie. That doesn't count. Does Because uh. if you want to say Disney, you know, it's probably The Emperor's New Groove. Yeah, probably. If if, if we're going to go Maybe that. Lilo and Stitch. I, I'd say Emperor's New Groove because... I'd say Treasure Planet, but because, Emperor's New Groove is very close. Because like Lilo and Stitch, I did not see that in the... Th- I did, actually did not see Lilo and Stitch until I was a teenager. Lilo and Stitch is the first movie I ever remember seeing in a theater. Nice. Um, um, but yeah, so that's kind of cool. But to get back onto my point, um, it, Treasure Planet's definitely up there with like the better of the Disney movies of the 2000s. Because honestly, the competition was not that difficult. I changed my answer. The answer is Princess and the Frog. <laughs> Wait, what? Princess and the Frog came out in 2007. I changed my answer. Wait, it came out in 2009. Still the decade. That yeah, that's fair. Which that that's also a solid movie. Um, the last but great yeah, 2D one, what, what, I really like Winnie the Pooh, but... What what are some of the other movies that came out that particular decade? Wasn't like... The uh, Wild. The Wild, <laughs> the wild with, uh, with William Shatner as a wildebeest? The Wannabe Madagascar. Uh, we also had... The, the, the uh, Wild looks fucking terrible. It's not animated by Disney, but it is distributed by them. It is, and it looks terrible. It is, uh, Chicken Little, Chicken- Home on the Range... Meet the Robinsons, which I really like. You don't. I don't like Meet the Robinsons. I don't like Chicken Little. 
I have a soft spot for Home on the Range because that was the last movie I saw with my grandparents in the theater when I lived out in Illinois. And it's also the last movie I just saw in a theater with my grandparents in general before I moved. So, yeah. The, the so last fun fact, there was a Treasure Planet 2 planned. Uh, I would it would have had Willem Dafoe as the villain. Ooh. We were robbed. We were robbed. I, I, I take it it was canceled because the movie bombed. Yes, that's exactly why. The show and the movie was canceled because of this. Oh, they were planning a show even? They had storyboards done. Oh. They were pretty deep in the development process for the Treasure Planet show. Shit. This was a massive bomb. It cost like 150 to make it. It barely grossed 100 million worldwide. Which is kind of a shame because it's a pretty fun and creative movie. I wish I had the chance to see this in the theaters, and I hope I do someday. Um, if Disney ever gets a little less uh, strict about what they put back in theaters, it's very possible because since that movie came out, it's garnered a cult following. I think they're going to re-release it someday. Um, honestly, with how like Marcus has been doing their re-releases, I would actually say that there is a chance that it could be re-released anyway. in theaters. I'd say that's all for this podcast. Is there any other closing thoughts you want on Treasure Planet? Um, solid movie. I would recommend checking it out if you got a Disney Plus account. Also, J.J. Abrams, you ripped it off, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great movie. It's one of my favorite Disney movies. It's a top five Disney movie. I love Treasure Planet. And uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, make sure you subscribe, follow us on the platforms, etc. And we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.